It appears I've stepped on the third rail of liberal politics. What is it? I will tell you. Also, have you heard? Not just friends have benefits, but slavery. Also, movie reviews with Randy Shulman from Metro Weekly. Today on the Corel Cast. Uncensored. Unfiltered. Unhinged. It's the Corel Cast. Listen daily on your favorite streaming service. It is the Corel Cast. I am Corel, and Corel's got his glasses, so you know it's going to be serious up in here. Happy Friday, so very glad you are joining me. It appears I have stepped on the third rail of politics when it comes to being a liberal. Uh, and let me tell you what that is. On Instagram yesterday or two days ago, there was a post about how horrible the Congress is, and they're attaching some anti-gay legislation into some bills. They're defunding gay centers. They're doing all kinds of things, this particular Congress. And it said the Democrats are outraged. Democrats are outraged. They are incensed. They're mad as hell. And you know, to me, that's the same as sending thoughts and prayers when somebody has been killed. I don't care that the Democrats are outraged. I don't care if they're... You know what I care about? I care that they don't really do anything for gays, for women, And I said this. I said, you know what? I am sick of forgiving Democrats for their inability to protect me my entire life just because, uh, you know, they can't seem to legislate. And, And the Republicans have learned how to legislate really well because they have protected their interests really well. They're giving their base exactly what their base wants. But Democrats never do. So then... I got, everyone's trying to school me. Well, you don't know how civics work, do you? You know, they don't control the House. They don't control the Senate. You know, they don't, they can't do anything if they don't control it. Now, first of all, if the control of the House and the Senate means that no legislation gets passed, that there's no compromises that are met, then we have a completely broken system and should change it. Go to a parliamentary system or go some other way. But if a Democrat has to be in power to get anything done in Congress, then why do we pay their salaries? Basically, we pay hundreds of people to sit there and do nothing and scream, well, we can't. We don't have the numbers. Well, that's just stupid. But I wrote an editorial about this as well, about blame Sc- don't blame SCOTUS uh, for their recent you know, gay ruling about the, the graphic designer that didn't want to do the website. Blame Congress because it's not, you know, the Supreme Court's job to make social change. It's Congress's, and they refuse to do it and historically have. And all the liberals have come for me. They have come for me. Oh, my God, have they come for me. Well, what do you want to do? Elect elect Republicans? Look, what did you get? Blah, 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 blah. And if you're not for us, you're against us, blah, blah, blah. So I guess you can't criticize the Democratic Party because— After all, Republicans are so evil that you have to just be grateful that Democrats aren't Republican. Well, I am sick to fucking death of having to be grateful that one party isn't as evil as the other. Get rid of them both then. But let me me give you some numbers about why I am 60 years old and I'm a little bit angry about this, okay? It goes back to before I was born. Kennedy was assassinated when I was one year old, so Kennedy was my first president. However, before Kennedy, let's look at how many times the Democrats have controlled the House and the Senate. Both. 
where they controlled both houses. Now, you would think, since there's not gay marriage, there is now by the Supreme Court, but it's going to be overturned, since there's not, you know, legal abortion for women codified into law, since, you know, we don't have a universal health care system that really works, you know, since we don't have all the things that Democrats have campaigned on forever, you would think the Democrats are rarely in power, that they rarely have the majority, and therefore they have not been able to get things done for the country because the Republicans block them. Because that's what I'm being told. That's the civic lessons these people on Instagram felt a need to try to give me. That if Republicans are in control, how can Democrats do anything? That's just, that's, a, that's such a stupid statement. Because they did before. When the houses were split, they still got things done. You know, but let's go, let's go back to Eisenhower. A, uh, him and uh, Johnson are a big bane for, uh, what's her name, Marjorie Taylor Greene. But let's go back to Eisenhower. So that he, when Eisenhower was president, that was the 84th Congress. Okay, and that's how it goes by number, 84, 85. And so under Eisenhower, the 84th, 85th, and 86th Congress, both House and Senate, were Democrat. Okay, so there's three right there. Under Kennedy, the 87th and 88th Congresses were Democrats, controlled by Democrats, both houses. Okay, the numbers I'm giving you are when Democrats controlled both houses. 84, 85, 86, 87, 88. Under Johnson, 89 and 90. Okay? So 84, 85, 86, 87, 88, 89, 90. Democrats controlled the House and the Senate. Let's go to Nixon. 91, 92, and 93. Democrats controlled the House and the Senate. Now, granted, they had a Republican president to deal with, but Democrats controlled the House and Senate while Vietnam raged, by the way. Then under Ford, 94, the 94th Congress, Democrat controlled House and Senate. So 84, 85, 86, 87, 88, 89, 90, 91, 92, 93, 94 controlled Democrats, House and Senate. 95 and 96 under Jimmy Carter, a Democrat, Democratic. The oil crisis, the hostage crisis. We could have had gay rights then. We could have had Roe v. Wade then. We could have had, no, no. Under Reagan, there was one Congress that was controlled by Democrats. And then the big change. So we so far we had 84, 85, 86, 87, 88, 89, 90, 91, 92, 93, 94, 95 and 96, controlled by Democrats. 97, 98, 99, Republicans or Republican-Democrat split. 100th, controlled by Democrats, House and Senate under Reagan. Under Bush 1, 101 and 102, controlled by Democrats. Under Clinton, 103, controlled by Democrats. So a Democratic president Democratic House and Senate, Bill Clinton, friend of the gays, and what do they do? The Defense of Marriage Act and Don't Ask, Don't Tell. Legislation that hurt gays, okay? Then under George W., the 110th Congress was controlled by Democrats, both sides. And under Obama, the 111th Congress were controlled by Democrats, both sides. 
So in my lifetime, in my lifetime, we've had, let's see, in just my lifetime, we've had the 87th, 88th, 89, 90, 91, 92, 93, 94, 95, 96, 100, 101, 102, 103, 110, 111, and 113. All controlled by Democrats on both sides. So in my lifetime, Democrats have had more control of both houses of the Congress than Republicans. And yet, we don't have gay rights. We don't, and they don't want you to talk about this, Democrats, because they don't want a third party, and I don't want a third party. I don't want Biden to lose. I don't want Trump to win. But I think it's time we start telling Democrats, you have controlled the House and Senate over the last 60 years 12 times, 13 times, 14 times, and you never codified the very things that you repeatedly run on. Where's gun control? Where's gun control? There could have been gun control by now. Both houses of Congress being controlled by Democrats, you know, more than Republicans, no gun control. Well, that's because every time they do something, Carell, then Republicans get in and then they undo it. Well, then the next time you're back in power, redo it. I'm sorry. The facts don't lie. Democrats have controlled the House and Senate more times than Republicans. And yet we are not this utopia of civil rights for women, for gays, for blacks. We are not this country of equality and, you know, gun control. Oh, they run on it every single time. Every time the Democrats run. Elect us so we can get this done and get that done. And then what's get done? Not that. Plenty of other stuff. Wars. Ukraine. Iraq. All kinds of things. You, you know, but civil rights, not so much. But if you criticize them, if you say, hey, what's up, then you're the bad guy. Just ask AOC. When we come back, did you know slavery had benefits? Make your device a whole lot smarter. Get the Corel Cast app free at the App Store of your choice now. Coming up, we're going to check in with Randy Shulman from Metro Weekly in Washington, D.C. about the movies Barbie and Oppenheimer. Uh, you're not going to want to miss that. Right now, though, from the you can't make this shit up file, in Florida, they, the, the Florida government, the Florida school board and the uh, Florida councils have approved books to be taught in school that said or say that slavery had positive benefits, that slavery wasn't all bad. Now, I, I'm not black, although some of you think I am. I'm not black. I don't know what that feels like. In other words, as a gay person, I know what it feels like every time I wake up and there's anti-gay legislation or some moron is going off about something or whatever. I don't know what it would be to be a black person and to wake up and see that a state in the United States of America has actually said 
in a textbook that they want to teach to children that slavery had positive benefits. Uh, and it, by the way, it did. All for rich white people. <laughs> yes, rich white people were able to make a lot of money in their corporations, money that they still have today because they got slave labor. Yeah. Yes, they got to rape people with impunity. They got to beat people, take out their fetishes on people. Oh, yes. It had a lot of benefits if you were a rich white fuck. There were zero benefits for black people and zero benefits for America. Well, all that labor and all the, they built the White House. And yes, John Adams wouldn't stay in it because of it. Mrs. Adams had trouble living in the White House because she knew that slaves built it. You know, the notion that the federal government is allowing this. You know, we talk about banning books. Any book that says slavery had positive benefits should be banned. Okay? There's a lot of books that should be banned. There's a book right over here on my shelf, right here. It's called Grand Canyon, A Different View. Okay? And it, it's for sale. I bought this at the Grand Canyon uh, bookstore. And in it, it totally goes against science and says that the Grand Canyon was basically made by Noah and the Great Flood. It says that in this book. <laughs> in this book, uh, it basically says that the real way the Grand Canyon formed is not the real way. Over here, this book, the Illustrated Children's Bible. Got this at a thrift store. Not making that up. In it, in this, in this book, the Illustrated Children's Bible, it says things like, oh, I've earmarked a few, page, a few pages. It says things like, now Joseph knew the law of the Lord, and he was greatly troubled. His wife had been found to be pregnant, and according to the law, he could have her sent out to be stoned. And I don't mean on good pot. <laughs> Yet Joseph was a just and kind man, and he did not want to subject Mary to this horrible punishment. He decided that he would divorce her quietly. <laughs> I could send her out to be stoned. Uh, so there's a lot of books that should be banned. Those are two of them. Any book that says slavery had its perks should be burned. And that brings us to the you can't make this shit up number two. Jason Aldean is a country artist that I don't listen to. Okay? But he's done this video called Not in a Small Town or something, you know, we don't do this in a small town. And basically the whole point of the song is try to bring your black ass to my town and do your Black Lives Matter and we'll fuck you up. If you listen to the song, which I did once, it basically says, try to bring a protest to our town for gay rights, for blacks, Black Lives Matter, for women rights or whatever. We're going to fuck you up because we don't do that in our small town. And he filmed the video at the site of a famous lynching. Okay? I'm, you can't make this shit up. I'm telling you, this is why this segment is called You Can't Make This Shit Up. He filmed the video at a famous lynching site. And so country music television, CMT, you know, got wind of this, and they pulled the video. They said, we're not putting that video on there. We're sorry. So what do you suppose happened when they pulled the video? The song went number one on the iTunes charts. Number one. Number one. He's got a song basically saying, 
if you come here with your Black Lives Matter or your gay rights or trans rights or whatever, we'll fuck you up. He shoots the video at a famous lynching site, and the song goes number one. You know, there's been a bunch of black athletes, uh, including Charles Barkley, who I love now, uh, who basically have aligned themselves with Budweiser and said, we don't care about the backlash. We don't care. You know, STFU, we don't care. We all need to start taking that attitude. It's like, you know what? Pull the song off of iTunes. Don't even sell the damn song. Let him sell it through his website. Let him do whatever. You know, but we won't. We won't. Another you can't make this shit up about book burning. The Swedish embassy in Iraq, in Baghdad, has been burned down because it was rumored that there was someone in Sweden that was going to burn a Koran. I have to tell anyone out there that's Muslim, if your God is such a pansy that he can't handle a printed book being burned, get a new God. That goes for Christians too. If any of y'all's gods are so freaking vain and so weak that someone burning a printed book is going to upset them, then you need a new God. Okay? The notion that burning a Koran should be cause for death this is why we think Muslims are crazy. See, blacks woke up this morning and saw that thing out of Florida, and they were like, oh, Jesus. And Muslims, I'm sure, across the world woke up and saw that these people in Baghdad are burning down an embassy just because someone threatened to burn a Koran, and they're probably going, oh, God. Because it gives them a bad name. You look ridiculous. Muslims today, you look ridiculous. Because a group of you have decided to cause violence. Why? Because someone's threatening to burn a book. Grow up. Well, you're disrespecting our doctrine. Who cares? Your God can take it. Trust me. Allah can take something, you know, ink on paper being burned. Ink on paper that was created by man. He's not burning the original Quran that was written by Allah or by the prophet Muhammad. Okay, he's not burning the sacred text. Whoever's going to burn it, it's just burning a book that somebody printed. He might, it might as well be an instruction manual to a blender. Just ridiculous. There is so much you can't make this shit up. You know, I could do an entire show called, I should change the name of the podcast, you can't make this shit up. Because it's ridiculous. You got a country star filming a video in the site where people were lynched. Who even thought that was a good idea? Racist. You got a state saying we're going to put books in schools that that teach that slavery had positive effects, had benefits. Who on earth even thinks that's okay? You got a group of religious people burning down an embassy because someone might burn one of their books. Oh my God! You just you can you can, you cannot make this shit up. The world has gone insane. The world has gone absolutely positively mad. And we're just sitting here watching. Like, oh. Meanwhile, story after story today about climate change. Story after story. The Antarctic ice is melting too quickly. Uh, you know, blah, blah, blah. It's 60 to 75 degrees in, in Anchorage, right? That's a problem for Alaska. All this stuff going on. All right, I am Pharrell. Coming up next, we're going to go for movies with Randy Stillman from Metro Weekly. And then we're out of here. So I love you. Mwah.
If you're not visiting reallycorel.com daily, you're missing out. Get the podcast videos and the blog, including recipes, at reallycorel.com. That's really K A R E L.com. There are only two movies in the world playing this weekend, or so you would think, uh, and that is Oppenheimer and Barbie, two very different movies about American culture, actually. We have Randy Shulman, the publisher and editor of Metro Weekly in Washington, D.C., a publication that I have graced the pages of, or at least my writing, not me. Yeah, the no, no, no nude centerfolds yet, a la Burt Reynolds. Uh, however, I felt it important to talk about these films. Uh, first of all, they're going to rake in the dough. I know that the right wing was trying to boycott Barbie. It doesn't matter. The theaters are sold out. Everybody wants to see it. Uh, and then, of course, Oppenheimer, which has a near-perfect score uh, on the tomato meter. Not that that matters. I usually like the movies that like are in the 40% range, and I find them classics. Uh, but Randy did see them, uh, and he is here to talk about them. Hello, Randy. Let's start with, come on, Barbie, let's go party. I think we should all be able to call in gay to go see it, uh, and, and anything with that much pink in it. Uh, but let's talk about this film. First of all, I have no idea what it's about. It's not the story of Barbie. It's a movie with Barbie and Ken and all of them in some adventure, correct? Yes. I think the easiest way to describe the film without getting any, giving anything away is that uh, what the previews have shown. We're uh, in Barbie land. She has a existential crisis and must travel to the real world to solve the crisis. And I'm not going to get into the details of what it is that uh, instigates the crisis, but um, it's it's fairly clever. Uh, and uh, then she comes back to Barbie world and there have been some changes and uh, she has to work to set things right. So it's sort of a fairly straightforward plot in that regard but with a lot of very funny little comic twists and turns. First of all, just the words, Barbie has an existential crisis, isn't it? <laughs> I mean, it's not one thing you would ever really think uh, of Barbie having. Now, already the feminists, uh, and, I, and God bless them, I'm a feminist. I support equal rights for women, and I want them to have their own choice when it comes to medical procedures and all of that. So I am a feminist. However... Uh, a lot of them are upset at the way Barbie is portrayed. You know, she's bimbo sort of, you know, your, your fashion icon, airhead sort of thing. Um, let me ask you, Barbie is a cultural icon. Uh, at 60 years now, I think she was born about the same year I was. I, I was born in 62. Uh, I've always, you know, I've, I've grown up. Uh, I never had Barbies. Did you have Barbies? Did you play with dolls or have any Barbies or anything? I did not. My sister had Barbies. I had G.I. Joes. Yeah, I didn't even have G.I. Joe. Although I do remember I had one G.I. Joe with a parachute, and I never could get his parachute to work, so he died multiple times uh, in various ways. Uh, and I think it was just part of my uniform fetish that I was developing as a young gay guy. Uh, but what do I know? It's six, right? Uh, so I didn't play with Barbie, and growing up, we were poor. And so, you know, poor kids didn't necessarily have, you know, Barbies. Uh, because they were kind of expensive. But Barbie is sort of this, uh, how do I say this? This this picture of an idyllic American life 
uh, and an idyllic American couple. I understand the movie pokes fun, uh, you know, at that. In other words, it never takes itself seriously. It knows that it's a movie about dolls. Yes, I, I would agree with that. I think the movie's interesting in the sense that Greta Gerwig uh, and Noah Baumbach have written something that not only pokes fun at dolls and Mattel, but does so without any mean-spiritedness. It's not a a vicious film at all. The satire is very funny. I don't often laugh during, it's very hard to make me laugh. And I was laughing quite a bit during the film. Um, it's, it is a feminist sort of, it has a feminist message and a very, very good feminist message that is delivered in the third act of the film in a quite a rousing way by America Ferreira and uh, a beautiful, love. beautiful. I love her. I've loved her ever since Ugly Betty. We adore her. I, I adore she's really her. good. She's good. She, I, as I said to one of my colleagues earlier, she's really the soul of the movie. Once you get into the specifics of the film, she's the soul of the movie. But Margot Robbie plays what they call stereotypical Barbie. So the Barbie that we're used to. But I want to point out what's interesting about the film is its inclusivity. It really casts a massive amount of actresses and Kens in the in these roles um, that uh, just cover the entire spectrum and even a trans actor. Uh, oh, yes, and that's world. got the right losing their mind. It's not a family film. Don't bring your kids. Is it a family film, by the way? I know there's musical numbers. And, oh, oh you yeah. know, sometimes yeah. these movies are made and they're not family. Is this a family movie? Without without question. I mean, I think there's a little bit of adult humor, but there's things you can bring your children to this. I don't oh, think there's, there's, you a... know, Pixar movies thrive on adult humor. I mean, they're, you know, they're when you watch a Pixar film, there's tons of adults. Now, let's talk uh, about the thing I'm most interested in. Ryan Gosling, shirtless. Uh, there was criticism that he was a little too old to play Ken. In everything that I see, he looks fabulous. And if there ever were a living Ken doll, it would be Ryan Gosling. Uh, so how does Ryan do? I saw a number that he does where I'm just Ken or, uh, you know, something like there's some big, you know, number about him being Ken. Uh, and it looked hysterical. So how does Ryan, how is Ryan as our Ken? He's terrific. I mean, he's playing a doll. The age doesn't matter. So, you know, it really could be any age whatsoever. Ryan looks the part. He plays the part well. He's very funny for the most part. There are people who are saying, He's going to get an Oscar nomination. I don't agree with that. This is not a, this is not a very deep role, but he he does what's required of him and he does it really well. Everybody in the cast does it really well. If I had a criticism with Barbie, and again without getting specifics, I'd say the last five or ten minutes that they don't really know how to end the film, and so the film ends in a weird, weird way that probably leads into Barbie too because it's going to make a fortune. And there will be a Barbie too, I assure you. Of course. And, you know, sometimes great, I love music, as you know, I've reviewed it for decades and now I make it. Uh, and there are some songs that are brilliant songs. And then the ending is crap. Chapel of Love by Bette Midler on her, one of her original albums. The song is great. And at the end, you hear her say, what a crap ending for such a great song. Even she knew the ending was crap. So sometimes musicians, filmmakers, they just kind of don't know how to get out of it. They're just, you know. Now let's talk about the... I, I agree. I do. I want to make one other point about the ending, though. Uh, you know, it doesn't matter because everything that came before that ending uh, 
works really well. Audiences are going to really love it. And I probably go, the, the hype is maybe a little too much for it, but it, it still works. It's a good summer blockbuster. It's a good popcorn thing. And then stay through the credit. That There's no additional scene as far as I know at the end of the credits, but the credits actually go through the history of the Barbie doll. Uh, oh, that's the interesting. You know, I lived and it, it is I, actually. I, I lived it and I remember going to Toys R Us. Uh, and when they would introduce new ones, the, oh, there was a black Barbie. That was groundbreaking when, you know, there was a... So it, it, I think that's going to be very interesting to see. Uh, now, the other social commentary film that's out there, Oppenheimer, uh, we have got uh, Killian Murphy uh, looking very gaunt and thin uh, as one of the most influential figures of the last century, uh, leader of the Manhattan Project, bringer of the nuclear bomb, uh, and here we we now have Christopher Nolan uh, doing a three-hour, you know, epic about this. It's getting rave reviews. It's getting high scores from audience. Uh, what about Oppenheimer? Is it is it the social commentary we need right now as we approach an AI sort of intersection of culture and and what we should and should not do? Is this movie a reminder uh, of great moments in history and what happens during them? Oh, I th very much think so. I think whereas Barbie, not to diminish motion pictures, but whereas Barbie is a movie, uh, I would very much say that Oppenheimer is what I would define as cinema and great cinema. Uh, it is an extraordinarily immersive experience. Uh, it is a powerful biography that really throws you into uh, or attempts to throw you into the the, the psychology uh, behind not just the bomb, but of Oppenheimer and the people surrounding him. It is not without flaws, but it while you're watching it, it is it is it's it's amazing. And and Nolan does something again without giving away details. You're going to sit through the first hour and you're going to be a little confused as to what's going on. But by the third hour. He has done his magic and has found a way to thread everything together so it congeals. And it's, I can't wait to see it again with that in mind, because it is a work of narrative art in that regard. You know, Matt Damon uh, had pledged to his, Matt Damon had pledged to his wife that he was going to take a break from acting unless Christopher Nolan called and Christopher Nolan called. <laughs> and Damon's good. And I'll, I'll tell you, the, the, the person who steals the movie is Robert Downey Jr., uh, Robert Downey Jr. is, I, I'm going to go out now and just say he's going to win the Oscar for supporting actor. He's extraordinary in this film. Um, you know, the interesting and, thing, I know the story of Oppenheimer and Einstein and, and, all, and the nuclear bomb, the Manhattan Project. Uh, and what's interesting to me is that both Einstein, who's E equal MC squared, made it possible, and Oppenheimer, who then took that formula and many others and made the bomb, uh, with a group of, you know, not himself, but with a group of scientists, uh, how later in life they actually turned away uh, from nuclear bombs. They, they didn't want them. They didn't think that we should have them. Uh, and that's very interesting when we look at AI, uh, possibly one of the biggest cultural changes to happen since nuclear weapons. Christopher Nolan is saying, use this movie as a harbinger of what can happen uh, and he's saying that people that are doing AI now should be held accountable, you know, as we speak. Can you see when you watched Oppenheimer, 
can you sort of replace the bomb with AI and see a parallel as to what went on then and how we felt we needed this to win the war uh, and to save lives and to make things better uh, versus AI, which they say, you know, we need, it's going to make things better, but how they both can be misused so terribly. Well, yes, but actually I think there's only one way to, to, to there, there are possible good uses for AI, but there's no good use for a nuclear bomb. So, uh, of any kind. And yes, the movie actually explores Oppenheimer's, you know, reluctance after the war, his, the way he turned uh, against the hydrogen bomb in particular, and was like, oh my God, what, we, what have we created? But it's subtly done. AI, the movie is very much not just a warning to, for AI, but it just reminds you of what is what power is in our hands, the destructive power in every country that well, has a bomb. As, as we have Ukraine and Russia fighting, and Russia, you know, has said that nuclear weapons are not off the table, uh, they seem to think that there's kinder, gentler nukes, uh, but a nuke is a nuke is a nuke. Uh, and so as we have a war actually raging with a nuclear-powered nation and NATO, the North American Treaty Organization, which was set up to prevent nuclear war, uh, as, you know, they're involved, uh, it does remind you what a precipice we are on all the time because of these weapons. You're of my age. We did the whole duck and cover thing. They have school yeah. shooting drills now, but back in our time, we had nuclear weapons drills. Uh, like it was going to help us to get under our desk, uh, you know, to, from the from the searing, burning cloud. Uh, all well, right. I would, well, you know, but I wanted to answer your question, though. I think that yes, I think there are parallels to it, but I also think that's a film everyone should see because I think it's a good reminder. And I would also say that if you happen to live in one of the cities where it's an IMAX and playing in seventy millimeter on film, see it that way. And and even if you don't see it on opening weekend and have to wait a week to see it, see it that way. Because you know, Tom Cruise, who I can take or leave because he's a nut with the whole Scientology thing. Uh, in fact, I was on a red carpet once and his, he came up to be interviewed by me and I looked down because he's so little. Uh, I looked down and I'm like, that's it. Uh, he got very offended. <laughs> I was expecting <laughs> more, <laughs> you know, but anyway, Tom Cruise said to the press that tomorrow, Friday, he is going to go in the morning and see Barbie and in the afternoon and see Oppenheimer. Uh, and he encouraged everyone to go see both the movies in the theater. He is single-handedly trying to keep people inside of theaters. I'm very encouraged. I, look at, I looked at seating here on Fandango to, uh, tomorrow, Saturday, Sunday, to see when I was going to go see these. Uh, and most of the theaters here in Vegas are sold out. And it's not just the heat that's making people go uh, to the theater. It's that these movies really do have a lot of hype and that people do want to see them. Randy Shulman is the publisher, editor of Metro Weekly in DC. You can sign up for their newsletter. Where you can, It's an LGBTQ publication, by the way, one of the oldest and an award-winning LGBTQ publication. Uh, and it, it deserves it. I read it. I read it before I wrote for it. When he said he would take my editorials, I was thrilled uh, because it's a magazine that I actually uh, write, you know, that I, I read. You can read it online. Uh, or, and literally like it, you can flip it like a magazine online. It's very, very cool. Uh, and you can subscribe to their newsletter and get breaking LGBTQ and national news and all of that at their website. Uh, don't make it wrong. Metroweekly.com. Uh, that metroweekly.com. Go there. Sign uh, up. Well, backslash uh, metroweekly.com backslash subscribe. 
we'll get yeah. you right into the subscription. And go there. Go to metroweekly.com backslash subscribe. Get the newsletter. Get the weekly publication. You're going to learn tons about politics, art, literature, all kinds of things. They have great re They have more reporters working for them than National Geographic, and that's the truth. Uh, <laughs> I don't know about. Oh, National Geographic laid, fired everybody. They, they no longer have any staff writers. They... Uh, are doing everything the editors it's are very doing. very very sad they're going to replace it with sad. ai it's all going to be ai Absolutely. Um, we will never we will never be AI, i promise that the only intelligence um, there is his <laughs> listen, it's, I, I, before artificial. i go before i go i know i don't want to run too, too over but i just want to stress that if you can't get into both films this weekend still make an effort to see both films on the screen these aren't films you want to watch at, at home you want to see them with an audience and I agree, you know, because no matter and, how, look, behind me is a hundred inch monitor that I use as my background. I basically have a theater here, but you, but I'm alone with my dog sitting in the room. And that's not a way to enjoy movies like Barbie, which has music and laughter and, you know, laughter is contagious. Uh, and Oppenheimer, which Christopher Nolan is a brilliant filmmaker. He makes art. Uh, well, and so you're going to be watching art on the screen. And you want to be part of that. I hate to put it this way, but you want to be part of that nuclear explosion test when it happens, because you feel like with the sound and with the visuals, you feel like it's as close to a nuclear explosion I want to get. And it actually it actually works. You're it's, talking to someone terrifying. who lives in Las Vegas, where right downtown there's a bar called the Atomic Cafe, and they literally used to sit outside and watch the, the nuclear explosions. It's why it's called the Atomic Cafe. They would serve oh. beer and they'd serve cocktails and they would watch them testing uh, the nuclear bomb. So yeah. Oh no. my God. Uh, yeah, it's really, it still exists. It's called the Atomic Cafe and they used to serve alcohol and beverages and you would go and sit outside and watch the mushroom clouds off in the distance. Those people are now well, dead, of course. <laughs> well, I, uh, as, as a final thought, I would say, I would hope then that the radiation in Vegas stays in Vegas. Yeah, well, <laughs> no, it appears to have crept across the country and they've all lost their freaking minds. Thank you, Randy, for joining me. We'll check in with him as these movies warrant. Because these are two huge films. You do need to go see them. I'm going to go see them. It's going to get, Ember is going to go see them, my service dog. Uh, and I'll bring her headphones for the nuclear bath. I don't want her to get scared. Oh, yeah, uh, no. Yeah, no. Thank you so much for joining me. I am Carell. Be who you want to be so long as it doesn't hurt anybody. We will see you all on Monday. Go to the movies. It's cool and it's fun. Go, go, go. Hey, it's Carell. Amber and I would like to thank you for joining us today and remind you there's a way to never miss a thing, and that's by subscribing right now to my YouTube channel. Just click the subscribe button below or go to youtube.com forward slash really Carell. That's youtube.com forward slash really Carell for a world of great free content. And that content is kept free by the fabulous group of patrons of Patreon. Why not become one and show your support for the show? Just $5 a month or more and you're in. Go to patreon.com forward slash really Carell. That's patreon.com forward slash really Carell. My website is reallycorel.com and everything fabulous is there from the show to blog and recipes. Instagram and all social media are, you guessed it, really Carell. And it couldn't get much easier by simply downloading the free Corelcast app at the app store of your choice. And then all the content from Corel Media will flow right on through. That's the free Corelcast app. Remember, I am Corel. Be who you want to be so I don't hurt anybody. And subscribe and participate today.